The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, here we go. Here Summer we go. is Let's approaching. Wind everybody up. That's right. Look up, look way <laughs> up. And we'll take a look at gas prices. Uh, it has everyone talking. People really angry about the jumps at the pumps to find out what's going on. Dan McTagg, Senior Petroleum Analyst at Gas Buddy, joins us on the phone. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Andrew. What is going on, Dan? Uh, well, a little bit of everything. Right now, uh, most gas stations have seen increases to their wholesale prices of about 10 cents a liter in the past 10, 12 days. So if you're a gas station today, you've been told that uh, as of midnight tonight, you are going to be paying about $1.21 to buy your fuel. The difference between the $1.21 and the $1.31.9 that we're seeing is strictly the retail margin, which is often pretty skinny for Edmonton. So, yeah, a lot of movements on the uh, markets, the Chicago spot market, demand for gasoline. And one thing that we never hear from, but we should, uh, and that's our refineries here in Edmonton. Uh, my uh, little uh, spidey instinct tells me that there are two of three of the refineries there that have shut down some units for some springtime maintenance and uh, another uh, problem, or at least uh, some work being done, longer term work being done on an upgrader. So between uh, those elements, uh, that's added another four or five cents a litre price of gasoline. And Hence why you've got the price you have today. Of course, the Canadian dollar isn't helping because it's uh, it's trading down a couple of pennies from where it was just a few days ago. Hmm. Well, let's talk about those refineries shutting down because people often ask, well, why would they shut down when demand is going to be at its highest? But is it not true that they have to recalibrate their systems yeah. uh, because the composition of gas changes from winter to summer? It does, and that's already taken place. But what's important is that summer demand hasn't kicked in yet. That's what makes these prices not just here, but in the United States, go south of the border. They've gone up about 36 cents a gallon. That's not as much as we've seen here, but then again, they haven't seen massive taxes being added to the price of gasoline, nor do they have, you know, 5 to 15% uh, uh, HSTs, GSTs, call it what you want, right across Canada. So it doesn't, uh, the situation down there is heavy demand. Last week, the U.S. Department of Energy came out with a startling report that, guess what? Americans have used more gasoline in the week previous than any week previous ever in their history. So uh, Americans are jumping back in their vehicles. Huh. Yes, prices have gone up, but so then their economy is much stronger. Well, Dan, if there's a huge demand for gasoline in the United States, that would certainly impact Canada. It's the opposite, I think, of what people believe about mm-hmm. gas. Most of the gas that we uh, consume here in Canada, is it not refined in the States? And are Americans not actually able to just sell to the highest bidder? So we've got to compete yeah. price-wise. Americans are selling a lot of their uh, gasoline, exporting it to countries like Mexico, Latin America. But uh, for us here in Western Canada, uh, all of our gasoline, 100% of it is uh, Canadian oil processed into Canadian gasoline, diesel fuel, jet fuel, take your pick. Uh, There is no uh, uh, cross-germination with U.S. product, but there is a concern that the U.S. Midwest, that's a massive area, stretching from pretty much Ohio State in the east all the way up to the Rockies in the west, uh, is chronically short of gasoline. They only make just enough to keep up, 
Uh, and so when they have a problem, we have an even greater problem because we price all of our fuel in U.S. terms. It's uh, mm. not just the U.S. dollar that we use, but that's the relevant market. If they have a problem and we keep our prices low, they will come north and buy our gasoline. So it's the other way around. Dan, are these prices that we're seeing in Edmonton, I'm hearing people talking about uh, them being an all-time high, that these are you know, possibly the highest that they've ever been in history. Uh, what can you tell us about that? No, they haven't. Uh, we last saw prices at this level, and I was just looking at that a little earlier. Uh, if you go on the gas buddy charts, you'll see the average prices to look about $1.27, $1.28 today with the $1.31. So you have to take the average. The last time we were here, uh, Jalen was back in uh, December, rather, sorry, in July of 2013. So oh, wow. we are getting close to that point, but we're not there yet. We did see prices of $1.28.5 as um, an average price uh, on or about that date. In fact, I had written it down here. I think <laughs> I could find it, but it is, uh, it, we're seeing, we are seeing records being broken in a number of communities across uh, Canada, especially, of course, in um in Vancouver, where they saw a dollar fifty-eight, dollar fifty-eight point nine tomorrow, but the prices that we're seeing right now were last seen May twenty-seventh, twenty thirteen. Wow! So, is gas, or our, I should ask, are gas prices, um, to a great extent, uh, set speculatively? Because we've also got a pipeline. Uh, argument going on with our neighbors to the west, and we've got a potential rail strike looming uh, over the country. Is does that have an effect on gas prices? Uh, not yet. Uh, it will have an effect on whoever doesn't get enough gasoline. That won't be our problem here. Uh, we know that the Edmonton refineries are quite capable of increasing and, and are expected to do so. Once the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain pipeline is built, it's not just about oil. They're going to be sending down another 50,000 barrels a day on the existing uh, line one with improved pumps uh, of diesel and gasoline. So. Uh, for Vancouver, it's it's a blessing because, of course, their wholesale prices are about usually an average of about 18 cents a liter higher than they are here in Edmonton. And even with the toll rates of three, four, maybe even five cents a liter, they would still be you know advantaged by some 50. Uh, well, put it this way, at least another 10 cents a liter. But the, the for us here in, in Edmonton, would it mean uh, no uh, no no market for our gasoline? Suddenly, you're cutting off 80,000 barrels of fuel. Does it get then delivered by train? Uh, could we see prices drop as a result? Could we be you know forced to sell more to the Americans at a cheaper price? I don't know, uh, but it's it's fairly clear that uh, we are coming painfully close to the May 31st deadline, mm-hmm. and uh, it would appear that uh, everyone seems to be content with Mr. Horgan dragging his heels uh, to the courts hoping that they take a long time, sufficient enough to get the company to move away, at which point we have ourselves a serious war uh, on on, uh, on trade. But more importantly, Vancouver can expect to pay $2 a litre, bar none. Can you wow. imagine? Hey, hey. Dan, one of our listeners wants to know, it's been their observation, and oftentimes it is just not an accurate observation, but I sus- I've had the same observation, that when oil pri- or gas prices are going up and down at stations in Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer, they don't seem to be fluctuating to the same extent in smaller towns. It, do, they, do smaller towns' prices, are they as volatile as big cities? No, they're usually not. You have one price. They don't actually go up. 12 cents, 13 cents in one fell swoop, and they don't fall, you know, 13, 14 cents in a span of a week. Why? You don't have what I refer to as gas bar shenanigans where <laughs> retailers throw their you know, operating margins in the garbage in order to compete with Costco uh, or any other big box store. 
Uh, that doesn't happen in smaller communities. And some people say, well, that's not great. On the other hand, you don't get the kind of surprises that people, people get really frustrated. Yes, they get eight, nine, 10 cent a liter increases on the wholesale side. But when you add another 10 cents on top of that, they get pretty upset. So what can we, <laughs> I don't even want to ask, um, you know, coming through uh, the summer months now, we're finally getting a, a glimpse of, of some warm weather. And I think people are starting to think about, uh, you know, making uh, trip plans, that sort of stuff. What what are you forecasting? What do you think is going to happen over the next couple of months? Is it going to go back down or are we going to be stuck here for the next little while? I think we're going to come down a little bit once the refineries come back online, start churning out gasoline. I know that because they they know full well that Edmonton prices, which are really the benchmark for all of Western Canada, follow the Chicago spot market to a T. And that spot market is now, if I'm looking at prices, we're about 12 cents above uh, where Chicago's pricing per litre. Usually it's five. So we've got an adjustment coming of six or seven cents a litre. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So I think their prices will start to come back down a little bit, maybe into the mid-120s. <laughs> but uh, the summer, all bets are off. Uh, yeah. You can go back, up, back up to these kind of levels, 130 to 135, during certain given days if U.S. demand doesn't slacken off anytime soon for uh, driving the summer. And Dan, before I let you go, and I think uh, we've spoken at least once or twice before, but I always like to ask you this one same question <laughs> uh, because it comes up all the time. Um, do gas prices, have gas prices historically gone up before long weekends? <laughs> they do with retailers. I can only say that the retailers who play this gas bar game, uh, who are losing their shirt on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and uh, don't see any change in the wholesale, realize that they're going to double the amount of loss by having double the amount of people coming to their pumps to gas up to the long weekend. They raise it. Uh, I don't think it's a refinery issue. It certainly isn't the markets that do it. Uh, in fact, most national holidays we have in Canada do not follow the U.S. market uh, holidays either. So, no, uh, that's, uh, that's something retailers have to explain. And uh, if they want to get caught uh, making people upset, I'm not going to defend them. I that's, love the honesty, though. That, that, I love that's the honesty, really interesting Dan. because, you know what, that is sort of... Th- that explains the confusion because if the per barrel price is not changing or the uh, mm-hmm. um, wholesale price is not changing and statistics and uh, you know statisticians and economists are looking at it going no that's a fallacy uh, but re- you know retail outlets are, are shifting their prices consumers yep. are seeing what they see I call it gas bar shenanigans I've even hashtagged it <laughs> gas bar shenanigans and guys if you're going to play this silly game fine but if you're going to get burnt you're going to find that suddenly, oh, my goodness, like a long weekend's coming. I have to raise prices because I'm losing my shirt. I can barely survive. Well, that's your own bloody fault. Mm-hmm. Love talking to Dan McTagg. Always kind of puts it into perspective when it comes to um, petroleum. You can follow him at GasBuddyDan on Twitter and, of course, the website if you want to find out uh, the gas prices uh, in Edmonton across the country, GasBuddy.com. Dan, thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Jalen. Thanks, Andrew. All Take right, it easy pleasure. now. Bye-bye now. It's 2.47 on this Tuesday afternoon. Just a uh, big thanks to Dan McTagg uh, from GasBuddy.com Love for talking joining to that us. guy. Yeah. No, I just... <laughs> he gets fired up, doesn't he? He does. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's because like, he was a politician for quite some time mm-hmm. uh, as well. But, yeah, GasBuddy.com, you can check out the prices you know, around the region and find out where the cheapest place is to get gas right now. Curtis is on the phone. Hey, Curtis. How you doing? Good. Good. How you doing? How you doing? Feel like you're fired up too. What did you want to tell us? Uh, well, I've been to the refineries before the shutdown, and they're reinstating 
tanks that they have, storage vessels, because they knew that they were going to be shut down for a long time. These tanks have been shut down for 20 years. So every year, they obviously are just putting in enough into their tanks so that they run themselves a little bit short so they can up the prices. Otherwise, this tank, all, all of these tanks would be inflated, and they'd all be full before the, the shutdowns began. It's, yeah, yeah you, you know, well, that's kind of the road that Dan was going down as well. I, I've often, you know what, it's such an easy argument to be angry at the oil companies that I've often kind of played devil's advocate. But the more I learn about it, um, and the more I talk to people like Dan, I kind of go, yeah, maybe I'll just stay quiet on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that what we've suspected all along is it's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, like, like I say, they, they, they've got tanks that have been sitting there empty for 20 years, but we know we're going to need them. We're shut down a little longer, so let's, let's, let's fill those ones up. Yeah. Curtis, uh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, that's all I have to say. Okay, that's it then. All right, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Some of your texts coming in, glad I'm not going to Kelowna this year. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, Mark says, B.S., it goes up and down all the time in my neck of Alberta. Hmm. Gas prices jumped overnight in Bonneville, so not sure what he's talking about. $1.31.9 in Barhead. Wow. Hmm. Oh, just someone had texted that in that question, and it yeah. was a personal observation. So, That's right. So we, uh, we asked Dan about it, so and we appreciate him taking the time to answer it for <laughs> yeah, us. So we sure certainly do. Hey, uh, speaking of oil and gas, you probably make mention of the fact that uh, we've all heard about the legislation that the Alberta government... Uh, tabled with regard to uh, being able to control what was exported turn from Alberta. Taps. Yeah, basically the turn off the tap bill. Uh, Saskatchewan has done it as well. They introduced a bill to prevent oil from being exported out of province without a permit. It's uh, Bill 126. And not specifically saying it has anything that's to right. do with it, but nothing they've just to do put it with, on the table. That's nothing to do with pipelines or anything else. Uh, it but is, it does. But it does, yeah. So it establishes a permitting process for any individual or corporation wishing to export oil, gas, or petroleum products. In other words, the government has to okay it. So if they were to do, say, for example, hypothetically what BC has done, drag their heels, then that's what they could do. They could drag their heels on um, issuing that permit, and uh, therefore oil or gas would not be shipped out to British Columbia. It's, it's uh, this thing, it's, I don't know what the end is to this, honestly. BC has to relent. They have to. My my fear they have is to blink. My, my fear is that the pipeline expansion is not going to go ahead. That's what my fear yeah, is. Yeah, that's my concern it's, as well. Um, and 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 um, yeah, that's that's my fear is that it's not going to happen. It's not going to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be stuck still trying to find uh, a way to get our our product to to tide water. Yep. Well, you know, Jane- and 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 I I still just want to see. I want to see more, and I, and I don't know if the Prime Minister just can't come in just to get, get it done. Well, the like problem, enough. here's and the I, problem, is I, that we're partners in Confederation. Yeah I, yeah, I get that. Right, so we're equals. So British Columbia, equal partner to Alberta, Alberta, equal partner to Saskatchewan. Um, we're equal partners. But the partner who 
the overseer of that partnership is the federal government. And in Saskatchewan right now, just to get you fired up a little bit more, Saskatchewan has pushed back against the carbon tax. And as a result mm-hmm. of that pushback, a refusal to cooperate with the carbon tax, the federal government is withholding money that would have gone to Saskatchewan. And I get it. Like From a federal point of view, they're saying, listen, this is what we told you to do. You're refusing to do it. We're going to take action. But my question is, if you can act that swiftly and that decisively on your program, mm-hmm. why can't you act yeah. that swif- uh, swiftly and decisively on your other program, which is the pipeline to British Col- or through British Columbia. So if you're willing to withhold transfer of any kind of funds to a province, would this not be the time to pull that trigger and say, okay, BC, we've told you we approved the pipeline. Um, we've done everything that you asked us to do, and Al- or Alberta has done everything you asked them to do. So now we're going to impose that authority on you. Are they hoping that the those final yeah, the hoops that are being jumped through those 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 court challenges that things that are still going on are are just going to be settled, taken care of, and and just that don't have to do it. That don't have to play I, hardball. I I think no. I I think the federal government. I think they would like to see the thing settled on its own without their involvement because at the end of the day the problem i hate saying expressions like at the end of the day i said i wouldn't do that anymore the problem is all the individuals involved in this struggle are politicians which by definition means they all need to get reelected again and the problem is you don't want to have well i i mean i do it but as a politician a prime minister who he doesn't want to lose his base of support in British Columbia. Yeah, but he doesn't have... Because huge, he doesn't have one in Alberta. Well, he doesn't have a huge amount of support in BC. He doesn't have pretty much, let, let, let's be real, in, in the prairies. That support for the federal liberal government um, comes from eastern Canada. Um, if you remember that election night and mm-hmm. how that wave of red came across, that's that's where it is. Well, there is also that great component of support for the liberals who don't like the pipeline outside of Alberta and or outside of British Columbia, like in Quebec, mm-hmm. right? So in Quebec, he, f- he faltered, backed off, and you know, so there's no pipeline uh, expansion into Quebec. In British Columbia, he risks losing the support of those green people in Quebec by taking action in BC. But uh, you can't, I, I know that's what you do, you politicians, I know that's what you do. You can't do it when the when the prize is this big. You can't do it when the future economic stability of the country is on the line. You have to act. That's why we elected you. Jane, we've got about a minute. What's on your mind? If we don't get our pipelines built, our country will end up a third world country. You cannot fly a jet plane. You can't do anything without oil. So people have to realize it's for the benefit of our country. And people need to sit down and have a really good look at what's happening because this isn't fair. We used to be the engine of Canada. Now we're going to end up being the nothing of Canada. Jane, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. It's 2.55. I wonder, too, as well, I, I know that there's been some of the um, the uh, First Nations um, groups groups um, mm-hmm. who are still against this. Oh, yes. And I'm wondering, certainly, how he's trying to balance uh, that as well. Yeah. Because we know that that, um, you know, reconciliation and, exactly. and, and, and making things better with um, uh, Indigenous groups, are, it's, it's, a, it's a high priority for him. It's amazing to me how many politicians on this particular file have painted themselves into a corner. From Horgan to well, a certain Horgan's extent. Horgan's got himself covered now. 
Like really, at the, at the end of it, he's got himself well, he's covered. Done everything. He's well, I've done this. I've Pretty done fair that, attempt. Whatever, right? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but Prime Minister Trudeau's certainly done it, and to a great extent, Rachel Notley has as well, because. She, she is the premier of Alberta, and she has acted in a way that protects or or stands up for the rights of Albertans. But she is an NDP, and there is a great component of the NDP mm-hmm. who are not favorable to oil and gas. So she's risking a lot here, too. But I will say this, though. She's doing what Trudeau won't. She's going against a great amount of her base mm-hmm. for the good of the province. Mm-hmm. She's Trudeau been needs, a lot tougher than he yes, is. Yes, Trudeau needs to do the same for his country. Uh, good, oh gosh, look at the time. It's 2.57 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. And when we come back, Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joins us for another issue of, or edition, of Fit After, After 40. 40. The 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chet.